This is John Gescheitmeyer of Wisconsin Real Estate Today, your real estate expert. This podcast is designed to equipping people with the teaching and tools they need to succeed in real estate. I hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more real estate content. Well, happy end of the year to you wherever you are joining us from. My name is John Gescheidmeyer. I'm the host of Wisconsin Real Estate Today. And to wrap up our year, we wanted to do a couple things. We wanted to dive into what has been a very, very tumultuous year in 2020. Um, And I don't know about you, but I really was looking forward to 2020. When 2020, I remember this time of the year when we were on the verge of, you know, this to me, which just seemed like a really cool number, 2020, right? And everything was going well. The economy was roaring. Uh, Real estate was just unbelievably good. And then all of a sudden, this thing called COVID hit, right? And then we had to shut down and nobody knew what to do. But as an economy, as a a nation, as uh, as a real estate community, we've done a really awesome job of recovering, of putting things in perspective, changing the way that we do things and the way that we operate. And and in the end, it's going to be a really, really good year. Real estate at the end of 2020 will be pretty good. There's no doubt about it. Um, so I'm going to have an update to this podcast, but I wanted to get it out today um, at the beginning of you know, 2021. But the numbers will be trickling in over the next couple of weeks for not only nationwide sales, but in, in Wisconsin and Metro Milwaukee. But I wanted to talk about maybe even what's next. So I will be using as my guide a slideshow presentation from an organization that we subscribe to. And I have to give them credit because this is their, their doing and their information. And this comes from a company called Keeping Current Matters. So as realtors, we use a lot of their statistics. We use statistics put out by our Metro MLS, by the Wisconsin Realtors Realtors Association, and also the National Association of Realtors. Now, we know that those numbers are going to, unfortunately, take a little bit of time, right? So those will come trickling in over the next couple months, and we will certainly update those as as we get them. However, for the meantime, uh, let's get into some of the statistics. If you want a copy of these, we will make it on our Facebook page. We'll make it available. We'll do a, uh, it'll be in the files section and it'll be a PowerPoint um, PDF for you. And, and it's 78 pages. I'm, I'm just going to leave everything as is. I'm not going to be covering all 78 uh, slides. That's for sure. But in the meantime, um, that is where the download will be. So if you have not gone to our Facebook page, please go to the, uh, we've got a couple. Um, this one is the Wisconsin Real Estate Today Facebook page for the podcast. We also have the Remax Service First page and our copyrighted No One Can Replicate program for the Protecting Heroes program. In 2021, we've got so many cool episodes coming up. Stay tuned. I've got um, three heroes lined up. You will love hearing their, their story. It's just amazing. Some of the things that these firefighters and police officers do every day. And um, we're going to be branching out into all walks of life for hero profiles. The, the men and women who, who protect us, 
who educate us, um, who save us, who heal us, and those of, of, of those of us who have, who have helped keep our country safe. And so we will do our best to, to, um, to profile them. All right, let's get into it. Uh, let's look at what happens with a, with a housing market recovery, right? So there's four components to that. One is demand and supply. And as you know, and you've heard me talk about, demand right now is, is at an all-time high. Um, and it might not actually be at an all-time high, but it seems like it. Supply, on the other hand, though, is really, really low. And that's the challenge, right? Think about what happened when COVID hit. Um, think about how easy it was to get toilet paper. Think about how simple it was to get masks. Think about how simple it was to find hand sanitizer anywhere. Well, the one thing that the government prevented was those prices from going up tremendously. So we call that price fixing, right? Or price gouging. I mean, there are other technical terms, but let's just keep it on, you know, a surface level. But the way a market works and real estate is a great example of that, is that a home will go to the highest bidder. Now, we are somewhat protected by appraisals. And realtors sometimes don't like appraisers, and I get it, but I do, and it's based on facts. And it does prevent the market from completely going out of control. Now, I have a little bit of a problem with that because what I can tell you is that in a free market, Homes should sell for whatever a willing and able buyer is willing to pay for that. But when we're borrowing money that is underwritten by some other organizations, federal organizations, it's not all of our money, and we need to remember that. So the first component is demand, right? We know demand is going to remain high and has been just tremendously high. We know that supply has been low, probably the lowest we've seen in 20 years. Price continues to rise because when supply um, is much less than demand, well, guess what happens? We have issues. <laughs> homes go for higher. Um, not enough people are able to buy homes in the time manner in which they would like to do so. Time on the market has gone down tremendously. So when we look at what's out there, you know, we saw especially in October and November, a lot of people jumping back into the market. There's been so many people sitting on the sidelines waiting. Maybe one of them is you. I can't tell you, folks, if you're looking at selling, there's never been a better time. And I'll probably say the same thing three, four months from now. So there's no reason to wait, really. The number of, of mortgages that are active in forbearance has dramatically decreased since the beginning of the year. Um, and what we find now, according to KCM, where we're getting this information from, is that when, when people are exiting their forbearance plan now, over 54% are paid in full. So remember, most Americans didn't lose their jobs. And I have to tell you, and I have no statistical way to back this up, but thank you to corporate America um, for keeping the doors open and absorbing losses um, yes, there are job layoffs and I'm concerned that's going to happen again in the spring and, and it will continue to happen the longer we're in COVID. But, you know, most, most people are still employed. Um, 30% have worked out a repayment plan for forbearance with their lenders and about 15% are still in trouble. 
So that's just, you know, unfortunately part of, of what we're, of what we're looking at, but, but that's good news, right? So if you know somebody that's in mortgage forbearance due, especially to coronavirus, there's, there's a whole bunch of things you can do and they can do, but forbearance is not automatic. It must be requested. And so you've got to find the contact information for your loan servicer. And usually you can get that in the mortgage statement, call your servicer and just tell them what's going on, right? Use the number on your statement to avoid any scams. Anytime we have anything going on around us, um, it creates the opportunities for scammers, right? Ask them if you're eligible for protections under the CARES Act. So the CARES Act protects homeowners with federally backed loans that are underwritten, if you will, or provided, or you know, uh, really the, the funds come from the FHA, the VA, the USDA, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, um, th- those people can be protected under the CARES Act. So ask what happens when the forbearance period ends. So what happens to the payments I miss? What are, what are my repayment options? Are there any fees? The bottom line is you can ask your servicer to provide something to you in writing and check to make sure it matches what you discussed. There are options available for those people in trouble. All right, let's shift to price. One of the common questions we get is, are we setting ourselves up for a bubble, right? Remember what happened in 2005, 2006? And I'm going to talk about that because it's completely different. I'm going to back that up with some opinions from some pretty important people in our world. So the question is, are prices going up too fast? Well, some people would say absolutely. I mean, if we look at the prices from you know month to month, year over year, 7%, that's really tough, right? So there's a slide that I'm looking at, and it's entitled the Compound Annual House Price Appreciation Rate. And what that means is, on average in our nation, home prices have appreciated X amount since whatever time frame we're looking at. Well, in this slide, it says since 1991, and I like this slide because in about 1994, I started buying rental properties, and I lived in a duplex. Uh, That was my very first uh, property. I didn't make a lot of money when I sold it, but I certainly saved a lot of money because I had a tenant above me. I had lived on the east side of Milwaukee when I was younger, and I started my first job in law enforcement in Glendale on the north shore of Milwaukee County, And, uh, and I just didn't want to spend a lot of money, so I bought a a rather modest duplex, brought my roommate with me, and I lived for free. In fact, I made money. So I bought another rental property. But at that time, prices were only going up 3 to 4% every year. And you just kind of assumed that that was your normal gain. And it was almost automatic. So in this slide, it shows since 1991, the average appreciation for a house in America has gone up 3.8%. But since 2012, it's gone up 6.1%. 6.1%, folks. That's not healthy in my opinion. But it is the market that we live in. I mean, think about what a $400,000 house gets you today compared to what it got you 10 years ago. Very, very different world that we live in. And I, I agree with people who say it's going up too fast. But I don't agree with people that we're on the verge of a bubble. Now, you know, who knows? That could happen, right? So... When you look at the graph of house appreciation uh, numbers since 2000, it's almost exactly a straight line. 
And again, you can download this PDF on our Facebook page. It'll, I'll have this available for you. Um, but, you know, look, there's some things to remember, right? We're, the circumstances regarding this bubble, if you will, are very different. Um, the actual amount of appreciation that has happened, not, not when we look at 3.8%, when we look at the actual amount of appreciation from 2002, it's not quite as, you know, linear, so to speak. And the bottom line is, um, from year to year, obviously things happen. 2008, 2009, 2012, and even into 13, we had some some tough years. I remember I got my license in 2011, and I would say only about 60% of the homes that we listed sold. Uh, it was a very, very different market. The buyers were absolutely in charge. Now, the sellers are in charge because what we've seen is an inverse relationship between home prices and inventory. So the home prices continue to go up and the inventory continues to go down and that gap is getting wider. And that's also kind of dangerous. Lawrence Yoon, who also um, appears on different podcasts and, and different you know, publications, he's the chief economist at the National Association of Realtors. And he said that such a frenzy of activity reminiscent of 2006. Now, remember, that was, that was the bad years, right? Uh, not the bad years. That was the end of the good years, I should say, before we hit this crash. Such a frenzy of activity reminiscent of 2006 raises questions about a bubble and the potential for a painful crash. His answer, there's no comparison. Back in 2006, dubious adjustable rate mortgages taxed many buyers' budgets. Some loans didn't even require income documentation. I'm going to pause his statement here. I remember in the 90s when you could buy homes without any money down. I was buying rentals. I'll be honest with you, I don't know why I didn't buy 20 of them. Um, probably because I, 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 I couldn't manage them. But the bottom line was, here you had all of these homes that you could just buy. In fact, you could get money back. Uh, the common question you would get was, what do you need this to appraise for? Let's say the home was, you know, $150,000 income property because that's what I was buying, but I needed $10,000 in repairs, so they would appraise it at 160. And I would get a $10,000 check back at closing. I'm not going to lie, I wish I could have those days back. <laughs> um, and a lot of cash, but didn't happen, right? So let's get back to what Lawrence Yoon says. Today buyers are taking out 30-year fixed rate mortgages, right? More stable. 14 years ago, there were 3.8 million homes listed for sale and home buyers were putting up about 2 million new units. Now, inventory is only about 1.5 million homes and home buyer or home builders are underproducing relative to historical averages. Why? Because it costs a lot more money to build a home, right? So, we know that we're sitting on more equity than we've ever had in our country for sure. But the household debt service ratio for mortgages as a percentage of disposable personal income is down. And it's down lower than from 1980. So the point is, we are in a really good spot. Now that doesn't mean they're, you know, it's smooth sailing. Um, no one can predict the future. We have a new potential presidential um, cabinet coming in, potentially a very strong shift to one side of, of the aisle. 
you know, there's, uh, as I record this, there, there still is a runoff in Georgia that will decide the Senate seats and the majority in the Senate. We do know this. Balance in government usually comes from a division. In other words, not one party always has control. And the markets like division. Markets like the fact that there's a division in power because then you can't have these massive swings one way or the other. Now, I'm not saying that's right, wrong, or indifferent. And I'm certainly not making this a political podcast, but I'm just telling you the way it is from my understanding. So when we look at mortgage rates, according to the 30-year Freddie Mac fixed rate from what was actual to projected, we've gone from about 4.8% in 2018 down to 3 And the projection is through next year that it will remain at 3 If you haven't refinanced, I would consider doing it sometime relatively soon if you're at 3%. You can find some good rates, even as low as 2.5 once in a while. There's some fluctuation there. Uh, but the bottom line is now might be a good time to look at that. So consult your, your mortgage professional. If you don't know one, we can certainly refer you to, to some great ones. So Danielle Hale, who's the chief economist at Realtor.com, expects home sales in 2021 to come in about 7% above 2020 levels. Following a more normal seasonal trend in building momentum through the spring and sustaining the pace in the second half of the year. In other words, getting back to somewhat normal activity. According to sources like Zellman, uh, Realtor.com, the 12-month forecast and the 2021 forecast for home sale, home I should say home prices, is a little bit under 6%. Um, according to Freddie Mac and Fannie Mae, they're talking about 2.6, 2.1, respectively. I think that's way low. But it does matter by region. We're in the Midwest. I think we're probably looking at about 5 to 7%, conservatively speaking, over the next 12 months. Let's talk a little bit about foreclosures because that's a hot topic that people want to talk about too. Any foreclosure increases will likely quickly be absorbed by the market and it will not lead to any price declines. That quote, according to Lawrence Yoon, who we referenced earlier. I agree with that. I think there are certainly foreclosures that are going to come to the market. Some of the agents that I talk to, uh, even from other companies that work a lot of foreclosure activity, you know, they, 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 they tell me, yep, there's a whole bunch coming out, but it's not going to have an overall impact on the market. Remember back in the crash days, you could find a lot of foreclosures. There were a lot of short sales. Banks were giving away these properties. They're not doing that anymore. They know that they're entering the market at a pretty good time, actually. Now, they might lose money, but they're certainly not losing money like they used to. So Lawrence Yoon also was quoted to say this winter may be one of the best winters for sales activity. On a winter-to-winter comparison, this could be one of the best breakout years just based on the fact that there are so many pending contracts and at such a higher level. And we're seeing that as well. December, as we wrapped up December in 2020, turned out to be a really good year even within our own firm. So, you know, our world has changed, right? We now value different things. We value virtual events. Uh, we value um, open houses virtually. We value video tours. There's a lot of things that have changed in our world. 
days on the market are significantly lower across the U.S., with, th- with very few exceptions. Hawaii and Wyoming being two of them, uh, Louisiana. And there's factors associated with that as well. But right now, the hottest state, according to KCM, is actually Rhode Island. Um, here in the Midwest, we are all uh, in the same kind of category, right? Days on the market are low. When we look at existing home sales year over year by region, the Northeast has had more home sales year over year than anywhere else in the U.S. In fact, they're outpacing the U.S. by about 6%. In the Midwest, it's the second highest at 28%, the South 26th, and the West at about 23%. Um, those Those are good indicators, right? Existing home sales are strong for what typically are very slow months, at least in some colder states. New home sales are up tremendously higher when we annualize these in thousands, looking back from 2014. So the new home sales, and and I I, got to be honest with you, this is a slide in here that certainly does not apply to my region, but 27% of all new home sales are in the $200,000 to $299,000 range. Boy, in Wisconsin and Metro Milwaukee, if we could find a whole bunch of homes for two hundred thousand to three hundred thousand, I cannot tell you how busy we would be. In our region, we can't build a home for under four hundred thousand. It seems like, um, so we're having some challenges. Right, labor is we have a shortage of labor in our area when it comes to builders. Builders have to pay more to keep the same builders and the same tradespeople working on their projects. Um, And lumber prices, of course, are through the roof. And we've seen that since essentially about, I would say, April. It's not really getting much better either. New homes are selling very fast. Um, When we look at the median months from completion to sold, we, we, we know that they're selling fast, right? And when we look at pending home sales, We've got a very, very high amount over, you know, from the last couple of year, uh, last couple of months. Now, keep in mind that, you know, in April and May and June, nobody was selling homes and the numbers were super low because no one knew what to expect. So right now, when we look at pending sales in the Midwest, we're at about 20%, South 21%, the West about 21%. I mean, we're all pretty close as far as pending sales go. But the property of distressed property sales is down unbelievably low. Now, you can't see this slide unless you're following along with the handout that we posted on the Facebook page. But if we look at January of 2012, 35% of home sales were either distressed, um, meaning foreclosures or short sales, were at less than 1% in October of 2020. I'm going to repeat that because it's so significant. In January of 2012, 35% of of, of property sales were distressed, right? Today, we're down to less than 1%. Our home prices year over year have gone up tremendously across the region. And what is interesting to me is that the million-dollar plus, plus range, right, when we look at the, the percentage of change in sales from last year, 
it's up over 100%. Uh, that's the million-dollar price point. Remember, most people are doing okay financially, right? Most people are doing all right. So when we look at, again, the housing inventory, it's pretty weak in most states. Um, there are some states, according to this map from KCM, where you know Alaska and North Dakota and Connecticut are pretty strong. The rest of us, either stable or strong uh, or weak, right? The seller traffic. Um, when we look at the amount of inventory, obviously low. When we look at the months of inventory, a balanced market is six. What that means is that every buyer in the market today within the next six months, should be able to find their home. And right now, and by the way, that's balanced, right, between a buyer and a seller. We fluctuated from 3 to 4.8 over the last year. You know, 3 was was when we were in the middle of COVID, um, and, or the winter months, I should say, not, not in the middle of COVID. But right now we're at 2.5. It's too low, way too low. Right in May we're at four point eight. So if you're looking to buy a home and you were not out there looking in May, I'm sorry. This will go up. We'll have new listings coming out after the after the holidays. I think spring is going to start probably in February. We'll see. But understand, we're still at very, 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 very significantly low inventory levels from year over year. So that's going to be con- uh, continue to be a problem. And our new home inventory lower than it was. Uh, last year, they're going to keep building, um, but everybody, you know, has to pay more when lumber prices go up. So we know that the the foot track is, traffic is there. We know that that's very high. In March, April, and May, of course, it it just literally fell off. Right? We didn't know how to show homes. We had to pivot. We had to do things differently, and we, and we did. But the indicator of future sales shows that you know our foot traffic is pretty good. In September and October. Remember, in my world, what's happening now manifests it in sales a month and a half, two and a half months from now. So what I look at is is the future of what we see today. Um, obviously, interest rates are at a very, very, very low amount. Um, 2.71 for the Freddie Mac 30-year fixed. That's a pretty darn good rate, right? And the projections are that in 2021, uh, and if you look at Freddie Mac, Fannie Mae, MBA, the National Association of Realtors, I'm looking at a graph right now that, that is entitled the mortgage rate projections. They're almost all the same. And we haven't seen that in a long time. There's always a variation. 2020, there was a variation of, of you know, I think one of them predicted 5.5, another one predicted 3. Well, the 3 came in as the winner, right? So all of them, when you average those, they're like 2.9 to 3. I mean, there's such a, a, just a variance that's really small there. And it's going to continue. So, you know, the feds have already said we're not doing anything with, with interest rates. The mortgage credit availability is down. Uh, that comes from the Mortgage Bankers Association in what's called the Mortgage Credit Availability Index. Um, much, much down from, from last year. But again, I think there's such uncertainty right now that everybody's kind of tightening up. Nobody's doing a lot. But the average days to close a loan, believe it or not, from March of this year when it was at 40 days is up to about 54 now. And you might say, well, how is that? I mean, if you have less people buying, 
you know, we should have, we should be able to close these things. Well, not so much. There's a lot of factors in there. I don't think I'll go into all of them, but we have people working from home. It's not as productive. It's just taking longer. That's just kind of the way it is. When we look at the FICO score requirements over the last 12 months, it has gone up from last year. Um, November was 736. That was the score requirements, if you will, to get uh, a loan. In most cases, there are different loan types. You can go lower than that. But in uh, October, we went from 736 to 753. Um, and believe it or not, though, 46% of people who are getting loans have credit under 750. So that's good news for buyers, right? Um, the average is 753, like we just mentioned. That's for all loans on conventional. The average FICO score is 759. FHA, 683. And on a VA loan, 725. So, you know, when you're looking at the credit availability, what you really need to do if you're buying a home, and I think the takeaway from this is you need to meet with a lender, a comprehensive lender who knows what they're doing and has a lot of products available. They can put you into the best product for you. Lastly, debt to income. Typically speaking, 43% is kind of the, the guideline, if you will. But on all loans, it's actually 35%. So that's good. It's, I mean, that's a strong sign for the economy. All right. Hey, I have given you guys a ton of information here. It's, um, it might be a little brain overload. I said before that we're going to continue to give you predictions. And we're going to continue to tell you what's going on with the market once the, once the stats come in. The last stat I got from the Wisconsin Realtor Association and uh, uh, our Metro MLS here in Metro Milwaukee, the numbers were astronomically high. I mean, they were year over year for November. It was crazy. So we'll continue to monitor that for you. But in the meantime, if there's anything that you need on a real estate basis, I'd be honored if you thought of us. Uh, our main number at our office is area code 262-287-9900. We're all over Facebook. My name is John Gescheidmeyer. I'm the broker owner of Remax Service First, and I'm the host of Wisconsin Real Estate Today. Hey, Happy New Year, everybody. And depending on when you listen to this, hopefully you had a good one. And uh, I wish you all the best in 2021, and we will continue to bring this to you. This episode of Wisconsin Real Estate Today has come to a close. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and let others know if you found this content useful. Until next time, make today your best day.